Hi, I'm Ray from Insert Quest here. My pronouns are they, them. This morning, we're talking to Ross Payton, game designer, podcast producer, and architecture enthusiast. Uh, it's a pleasure having you on the show, Ross. Would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Hey, it's Ross Payton with Roblin Public Radio. Uh, <laughs> hi. Uh, yeah, I am the uh, uh, co-host, one of the co- the primary person behind Roleplaying Public Radio and RPPR Actual Play. Uh, I've also written a bunch of games, well, some games and written four other games. Uh, and my pronouns are he, him. And uh, yeah, happy to be on. Uh, yeah, Base Raiders is the RPG that most people would know me for. But I've also I've written for uh, Eclipse Phase and Monsters and Other Childish Things and a bunch of other stuff you probably haven't heard of. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty, For people might not know this, but Ross is actually responsible for inspiring a lot of actual play podcasts uh, to get started um, as well as helping produce a bunch of other uh, podcasts that are tangentially related to role-playing things. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh yeah. There's also RPPR tabletop tales, which is sort of a sporadic uh, campaign focused uh, RPG podcast. And then of course I am a, the producer and uh, co-host of the mix six, which is a beer review and board game review podcast. So yeah, it's kind of my full-time job now. Yeah. I mean, you Uh, do that. Like that takes up a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's doing well. Yeah. Um, so normally we like to start by asking you about how you, what your early role-playing experiences mm-hmm. were like, uh, and then transition into some questions about how you got into making things. Um, so we'll just start there and I'll direct you as needed. So mm-hmm. what were your early role-playing experiences? Like I already know the answer to this, but I'm interested <laughs> to share it with everyone else. Uh, yeah. I think I've talked about this before at some point on a podcast, but I don't know when um, my first ever role-playing game, I can actually remember uh, distinctly. It was teenage mutant Ninja turtles and other strangeness. And I made a mutant Ninja raccoon who had a motorcycle and I was killed at my very first, game session because the gm was kind of a jerk uh and said oh you have to activate your sixth sense power it doesn't just happen uh so you didn't detect the trap door and you blew up and um, that's not how having a sixth sense works (laughs) actually in the palladium version of it it is because palladium is a terrible game system uh but that's terrible because that's not how the fiction of like spider-man doesn't exactly turn on yeah. Well, I constantly have six cents on. I would constantly be using it. Yeah, no, that's that's how it works um, in Palladium. But uh, for some reason, it still hooked me. Uh, and then I got into Dungeons and Dragons in the... Uh, I was starting out in the very end, tail end of second edition. Um, and of course, I also was playing a lot of Rifts too. Uh, basically, all the Palladium, you know, canon. Uh, and... Uh, then I really got into it when third ed came out. Cause that was the new big thing. And, um, yeah, with third ed coming out and the, the open game license, um, it wasn't too long before I started writing stuff, but yeah, um, that, that those are, uh, my first things was palladium and D and D. Uh, I did play a bit of world of darkness, old world of darkness. Uh, I'm more read the books than played the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
yeah, reading tons of riffs, reading tons of vampire re- and the other game, mostly vampire and reading D and D books, you know, uh, and yeah, that was, that was my early gaming stuff. It's uh, interesting. Um, you sort of revealed something there to me that I didn't really know mm-hmm. about like gaming history stuff is that I thought that palladium was contemporary to third edition and 3.5. But from what you just said, that suggests that it was closer in pedigree to being around the time of, I mean, obviously it continues to this day in some form, but like, I didn't realize Mm -hmm. it was as old as second edition. Oh yeah. 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 Um, Palladium as a company dates back to the early eighties. Kevin Symbieta did art for old like stuff in the seventies for judges guild, which was like the first kind of like third party, one of the first third party companies to put put out materials compatible with the world's most popular role-playing game. Uh, before the open game license, you couldn't, you can't, uh, you can't say it's compatible with Dungeons and Dragons, so right? That's because that's a trademark, but right. you can't, you can only copyright exact wording. So you can't copyright a rule. You can't say no one else can roll a, a 20 sided die and add a number to get an attack roll. And that game, you can't, you can't copyright game mechanics. So right. people could make knockoff stuff for D and D as long as they didn't explicitly say it was for D and D. Um, and so Kevin Simeo started as an artist for that. And then he made his own company palladium, which was basically highly derivative of games at the time. Um, you know, basically like a house rule D and D with some bits of, you know, other systems. And they, of course he didn't really ever change the system. Uh, but yeah, uh, TMET was like, was based on the black and white turtle comics, which was also the eighties. Uh, and he got the license before they had a Saturday morning cartoon. So, Oh, wow. That was like, so that was almost like kind of, yeah, that, so that he had that license before it was like a household name. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't playing it right when it came out, but years later, but I mean, like in the Midwest in America, like those, those three systems, uh, D and D, um, and, uh dnd and palladium and then of course uh white wolf all their products are floating around in game shops a lot of the time uh i also want to say i do mention i did have call of cthulhu i did get a copy of the book and i would read it sporadically but i never got to play it early on uh because mm-hmm. I which was- is kind of hilarious because now it's like almost a trademark yeah exactly your yeah. form <laughs> we do we do a lot of cthulhu stuff uh so i'm just kind of getting back because i was the only one who wanted to play it because everybody else wanted to play um D D or riffs um or vampire vampire is really popular see uh, me yeah, vis-a-vis yeah. every other rpg in, in existence and my friends wanting to play just D, just pathfinder or yeah or uh vampire yeah <laughs> no like yeah. i get why, the, why you like these but look at all this other stuff we could do <laughs> yeah i was the i was i would i don't want to say i'm like oh i was into lovecraft before he was popular but i because I, I, even in like the 90s he was still popular among nerds but i was definitely like i know knew about lovecraft's you know the cthulhu mythos before uh i was re- yeah yeah before other people around me were like or were really into it uh as they are now um but yeah, I didn't get to play Cthulhu. Um, I, but I, I would get. I had. I and I. It was harder to find Chaosium books. Um, so it was basically so, whatever I could get in game stores. You know. Um, yeah. You mentioned that you was pretty soon after, like you started getting interested in D and D. You started writing things. Is that's sort of what you said? But I'm, I'm interested. 
Well, I would, re- I would, I always liked writing materials for D anD D, like writing up dungeons and like adventures and new monsters and things like that. You know, I was very much the GM of a group, um, and and for riffs and for stuff like that. And there was a period where I just make characters or make like in in riffs in a lot of Palladium games they have the the same sort of game mechanics to like stat out an organization. Uh, like in Rift's Vampire Kingdoms, which is set in Mexico, they have the stats to make a traveling carnival, uh, like the the system to make a traveling carnival. It's like, oh, it has this many points, and you can buy security or axe or like, and so I would I would do that. Um, That's yeah. such a weird thing to need stats. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like, what, what, what? how many people are in it? What kind of security do they have? Like... Uh, what yeah. vehicles do they have? I mean, you Palladium. The thing is, they, they sort of get that like goblin hoarder shiny things. Ooh, I have all these cool things listed on paper, and that's cool, and I like that. That kind of that, it pushes that button very well. It's kind of the the looting sort of thing. Uh, I think that's you know one of the attractions RPG. So I think Palladium does that very well because uh, it's just lists of things you know guns and robots and like oh i have vampire clowns in my carnival show and they'll 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 protect it and then i have a cyborg strongman um and so um yeah that but yeah i would i was writing that just on my own but then uh in terms of getting into official like getting paid to do it uh yeah, i was just that, about to ask what yeah. was the first thing you managed to publish um, one of the things I found out about was this, um, this magazine slash comic called Knights of Knights of the Dinner Table. Uh, have you heard of it? It sounds familiar, but I don't know if anyone else, like I've heard the name, but it's probably cause you've mentioned it before on one of yeah. your shows. Uh, Knights of the Dinner Table, um, is a, is an odd duck. There's nothing quite like it where it's basically just terrible, terrible art. Uh, if you Google it, you can just see these characters and it's 99% of every strip is just people sitting at a table and talking about a role-playing game. So it's basically a fictional D and D game and it's being told through dialogue between the players and the GM. Uh, and it's a fictional version of D and D, uh, called Hackmaster, And so it's basically exaggerating old gaming jokes and tropes, um, times 20 and i i was hooked on it it's very much kind of like the junk food reading uh for me um i could probably go back and read a lot of and they 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 uh had this thing it was half the comic and then half material for various rpgs uh like reviews um and then they, they had articles where you could submit new material for D and this was also because in the third ed air you know with the open game license you could uh add your own material so i submitted several articles to them and i got published like three or four times and i got paid for it so um, i mean uh, that's pretty impressive you got paid for your work how yeah, do i yeah, do yeah. that they they um they had a i mean you can probably still submit nights at dinner table still around you'll probably submit and still get paid Wow, that's wild. Imagine that. Imagine yeah. getting paid in, yep. in 2019. Yep. Um, <laughs> and this was sort of the premiere of the third ed sort of shovelware glut thing where people were just churning out as much D20 material as possible. So after that, I was looking online to become an RPG freelancer. And uh, RPG.net has this freelancer forum where people like put out calls um open for submission, you know, call for submissions and that kind of thing. We're looking for this type of thing. We're looking for somebody who can write this for, you know, three cents a word or whatever. Um, and so there's, uh, I think it was Lewis Porter junior design, which is also still around and they wanted D 20 modern 
uh, prestige advanced classes written up. So I wrote several of those and I wrote a few other things for them, uh, for him, Lewis Porter. Um, and it's, it didn't pay much. It was like 50 bucks per like, you know, a couple thousand words or whatever, uh, or maybe not even 50 bucks, like 40 bucks. Uh, but I wrote a D20 modern adventure. I wrote a couple other things and, uh, yeah, I was on, I was getting paid and it was great. So that's how I got started with nights at the dinner table. And then like just, uh, the, the D20 PDF shovelware that, you know, uh, if you go to drive through RPG, I think they're still up. If you search for my name, you can probably still find, um, I think I did a Jack the Ripper one and a Buffalo soldier, uh, oh, and uh, a couple other dumb things, but yeah, I'm, I'm tempted to, so this is an interesting thing that I yeah. know about you is that like, you've got a lot of parallel career things going on, mm-hmm. um, that we could very much easily follow. I, I kind of normally here, I would be like, all right. And now we move into the main part of the show. But I kind of want to drill into your making games story a bit more, and okay. then we'll switch <laughs> tracks <laughs> to talking about um, your podcasting stuff. Because mm-hmm. obviously, both of this is really interesting to me, and I think that that is probably like the shape of your career in RPG spaces is particularly interesting <laughs> because it's kind of the reverse of what I've done Mm -hmm. because you've like started with this freelancing and writing game stuff and then gone podcasting. Whereas I've started podcasting and I'm now writing games. Mm. Um, So I'm interested. Sorry. Um, Well, it's actually like I started writing. I did start writing a little bit before I was doing podcasts, but it wasn't like a huge stretcher gap. And like, it was like Mm -hmm. a hobby then like it was not it was like pizza money like it wasn't like mm-hmm. i was i was still going to college so it wasn't like um a huge amount of money um so did but you most of my you career started... was in parallel like the writing and the podcasting has been pretty closely connected yeah yeah, yeah. well so well maybe it is time to switch tracks <laughs> i mean you could, um, yeah talk about whatever so like. i mean well then when when abouts did, or, or what were your early forays into the podcasting? Did it start with role playing public radio, or yes. was there something before then? Yeah, it did start with RPPR. Um, the The genesis of it is sort of twofold. One, um, years and years ago, um, on the RPG dot net forums, uh, there's a guy named AB3, short for Al Bruno the Third, um, who would post these stories about his gaming group and how terrible they were. And it was the same kind of humor that uh, uh, it, it's similar, but a little more extreme than Knights of, Knights of the Dinner Table. And I really like that kind of gaming uh, sort of like, oh, gaming groups being weird and dysfunctional and like, you know, uh, and the, he wrote them in like a radio script format where it's very focused on dialogue. Um, and so sometime around, I think it was 2005, 2006, I just like, Hey, let's record that. I just got my friends together. Let's record this and make it into like a little radio play. And then we'll post it on the internet and see if people like it. And it was just something to do for fun. Um, I mean, podcasting as a technology didn't even exist until like 2005. Um, and so that was the, and I called, I tried, I set up a website called role-playing public radio. Um, and that was the, 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 and I just had these files hosted on some third party site. Cause you know, hosting MP3 on your own site, that's a lot of bandwidth. Um, 
And so these radio plays were sporadic because it took a lot of time to edit one, um, you know, make to record one and then edit one. And but then the RPPR as a podcast came about um, from two things. One, I realized the banner I had with my friend Tom uh, was pretty funny and people might find that entertaining because we just like um, if you listen to especially the early episodes of the show, we just bounce off of each other. Um, and then I went to Gen Con for the first time in 2007 and I was like, holy shit, we should talk about this. Gen Con was crazy and great. And I'm jazzed about gaming. And um, so I got two microphones and we recorded the first episode of RPPR. And that was September of 2007. So that's the genesis of RPPR as a, and deciding to do a podcast. Uh, but even I didn't yeah. realize that it was from 2007. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, you're so old. <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah, thank you for that, right? Yeah, that's, uh, mm-hmm. yep. That I was, was mm-hmm. still in, well, I was still in high school, but I think I might have been in what you would have called middle school then. Mm. Yeah. No, I was in year 10. I graduated in 2009. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yes. Uh, uh, but even back then, like, there were, like, by 2007, there were already, like, well established RPG podcasts um, mm-hmm. that were, like, top of it. And one of them is still around, at least, uh, Fear the Boot. Um, but, I mean, obviously, all RPG podcasts have been kind of eclipsed by things like Critical Role. But um, even back then, we were like, oh, we're just kind of do this thing and holy shit there's already a lot of other people doing this um but yeah it was 2007 and i've just sort of stuck with it ever since um well i think you've gotten pretty good at it (laughs) thanks uh yeah uh we've um i mean we did get feedback even from the beginning um and so that definitely inspired me to stay on and keep working at it um yeah, I mean, recently, like I've been, I was cleaning up uh, my house a bit and you know getting rid of old things, and I found like something I wrote in elementary school, which was uh, Og the Caveman RPG, um, and it was a little RPG I wrote about like cavemen um, and stuff. And, Ship it, put it up yeah. on your itch store. Uh, People will buy that. We're, we're definitely gonna. Well, I'll definitely talk about this on R- RPPR after hours. I, I know that much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I mean, yeah, RPPR After Hours is your Patreon exclusive show, mm-hmm. um, and it on that you pr- you sort of review kind of like weird RPG modules and things, mm-hmm. as well as talk about a bunch of other stuff occasionally. Yeah, after Hours is sort of like the main uh, uh, RPPR podcast is like we want to be focused on game tabletop, you know, RPGs and like provide useful advice and make it relevant to people listening to it. But our, after there's a lot of stuff we could talk about. It's after hours is more like, you know, let her hair down, just uh, have fun with it. And um, also RPGs, uh, I've always found very interesting because there's just, you know, pe- 99% of the people doing it are doing it for the love of the, uh, the, the game uh and they put out some and there's no real standards for this stuff like it's just mm-hmm. we, we we're still in the infancy of like interactive storytelling and you know design and so people will just put out the this wild stuff that has 
like no internal logic to it. I mean, it's real outsider art and, you know, uh, I'm fascinated by that stuff and I, and I love it. So I love digging through like a judge's guild thing from the seventies and like, Oh, here's Dweedar the wizard. Well, you know, we don't want to have the bad guy just sit in his room at the end of the dungeon. So here's random tables to determine where he is. He could be taking a shit when your adventurers find him, you know? And like, um, it's or entertaining guests or studied or torturing some monster, you know, like who knows? And it's fascinating, like to see this, this really deeply weird material. Um, That's kind of an interesting, I mean, design thing. That particular example, that's yeah. essentially you are faking that the character has a rich inner life by yeah, using and a like, random table to make it seem like they're, you know, living their life rather than just waiting for you. Yeah. Um, I think that's from, uh, God, uh, judge guild. I want to say something of fire, uh, Citadel of fire. Yeah. Um, and that certainly sounds like the place where you find a wizard taking a dump. What what's what's amazing is that it's not it's like a two pages it's a full two page spread of just tables of like where he is what he could be doing and who's he who is Dweenar the wizard with like it, does he have guests while he's taking a shit you know like it's it's wild um, why would he have guests I don't I mean it's just <laughs> random to the bathroom yeah it's it's uh it's wild wizard culture's weird yeah um and yeah so that was a fun episode of our and like there's other things like the um the um, god what was it dying earth or whatever this rpg with a ten thousand entry random mutation table and it just like yeah it's just like it's amazing just to see this weird stuff and it's obscure and you just dig this stuff up and like yeah so that that's that's after hours um and that's always been i mean fun. it's yeah. you you make like so many different shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got the mix six where you're talking about board games and drinking beer. Um, you've got uh, the main RPBR show where you're kind of like giving advice, but really talking through like game topics. And specifically, you're talking through game topics that are focused towards GMs and players more than you're talking through like design principles. You've got Game Designers Workshop, where you didn't Google the name before you made it, um, <laughs> and uh, and that is like ex- that is kind of like a diary of making a game from start to finish, where you're like exploring all of the things and challenges that come up as you go, which is mm-hmm. which is like an excellent format. Like one of my favorite things you've produced was Game Designers Workshop, um, and uh, you've got tabletop. Tales is mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Yep, that's the other one. I think we already um, talked about after hours. You've got Yeah. Um Tabletop Tales is actually like um we the RPPR cast has grown and we've got like I mean probably about 10 people or so here in Springfield that regularly play games with us. Um and they play games and without even me being involved and like they start they've started recording them. Uh, they wouldn't put them on the podcast and we just got such a big backlog. I created a new RSS feed just for those games. So we, we could get them out in a timely manner. Uh, they, they've been pretty well received. Uh, David, uh, put out this, uh, red markets campaign, the grapevine that people really liked. Uh, so if you're dying for some red markets, uh, fan, definitely check that out. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, no, for sure. It's um, you're just very prolific, and that and like that's not even really talking about this. Like you've also, it's also like a couple of podcasts that you produce for other people. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I've just, I, yeah, I've, I've I edited podcasts for other people. Um, that's just freelance work, like. Um, the I did Unspeakable one. Oath was yeah. what I did. I did some of the episodes for that. Um, I did one for Greg Stolze. He did. Uh, he wanted me to edit his Termination Shock actual play podcast, uh, which I did. And then um, a friend of mine, uh, Melissa Sunwell, does this therapy podcast called Reconceive. Um, and I've been editing that. Uh, and she also did one on EMDR therapy, which is a type of therapy. Um, and. I don't remember what that one's called, uh, but she just started putting that out. Um, so yeah, uh, notice that, notice that. Um, so yeah, but that that's just freelance work, really. Um, I mean, that's uh, still impressive. Like you're yeah. doing all of the production on your own shows that you're mm-hmm. in, and then you're also occasionally doing this freelance stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you probably edit more podcast than a lot of other people in the industry yeah um uh, i mean industry in the community is probably a better word because some people are in the community but not necessarily in the industry if that makes sense sure um and then on top of that you're also like working on games like you're doing freelance writing for mm-hmm. eclipse phase and chaosium and you're well, also not doing chaosium, uh, arc dream. sorry not chaosium yeah, yeah. arc dream uh for 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 other people, yeah, like Arc Dream um, Publishing, like Arc yeah. Dream was yeah. who I was trying to think of. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I always get Chaosium and Arc Dream confused. Yeah, um, and then also making your own games mm-hmm. as well as helping your friends make games. Yeah, um, I think perhaps what people on that listen to our interview series are perhaps more in, familiar with is like talking about the work that you've worked on, and I also think that maybe you don't get an opportunity i don't don't feel like you do a lot of interviews um i've i haven't seen that many interviews with you because you're very busy yeah um so i thought it might be nice for you (laughs) to share about your own projects in particular um uh any upcoming projects you have but it might be worth talking about like stuff you've worked on in the past just briefly before so Um, i mean we've played base raiders on our show before Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Base Raiders, yeah, that's the the biggest game that I've self-published that I've done entirely on my own. Um, It's a Fate superhero RPG um, about dungeon crawling in superhero bases and villain bases, um, hence Base Raiders. uh, And it's a world without uh, established superheroes and villains. Um, the, the basic premise is that all the heroes and villains disappear because of some cosmic event, you know, some secret war or infinity crisis or something, uh, in the game, it's called Ragnarok, but that's just what the press calls it. Um, and so all the heroes and villains are gone and they're not coming back, but all their stuff is behind. So you can go and like break into the Batcave and, uh, take the Batmobile out for a spin, um, or, Find Captain, you know, find some place with super soldier drugs and juice yourself up or, you know, read all of Dr. Uh, Strange's wizard books and uh, become a self-taught wizard. Um, because one, I, I mean, I do like the superhero genre, but I, I've always sort of presented the idea that only special chosen people get to be superheroes. And if you want to have superpowers, if you try and get to super, you know, give yourself superpowers deliberately, that's that's a villain origin story. You can't be a hero good people don't seek out power and i'm like what that's that's kind of bullshit um 
I mean, there's yeah. a there's a transhuman undertone to sure. base raiders, right? It's yeah, about yeah. making uh, yourself into a better you. Yeah. Um, and on your own terms. Exactly. Um, and the idea is like this. Obviously, the governments, uh, every government would de- has declared this to be illegal. They don't want super soldiers and, you know, wizards running around. Um, and you are obviously deciding that, that it's worth breaking the law to give yourself superpowers. So why are you doing that? And what are you going to do with these powers? Um, and obviously, the way you fund your activities is to break into other bases and steal the stuff and sell it on the black market. Um, so you can, you know, get better powers. Uh, so it has that dungeon crawling aesthetic too. Um, and I wanted to have fun with it. I like, I like kitchen sink settings where you can throw in all kinds of crazy stuff and have fun with it. So, I mean, I did like that about riffs, but I've come to realize that base Raiders is my riffs, but you know, not problematic at like riffs is cause there's, you know, no literal like Nazi, uh, genocidal state, uh, that's too strong to ever be defeated uh base raiders is very very much like it it starts out as the normal world but there's all this super stuff in it and you can do whatever you want with it um and uh i do have a yeah there are politics in it that like there's a large number of sapient beings that are not legally recognized as humans and have no rights uh the aliens the magical beings um all the all the non-humans who were not disappeared during uh ragnarok and uh they have to survive somehow too and so you can choose to help them or hurt them. And they're the ones running the black market. Um, and yeah, so uh, I had a lot of fun writing it. I'm probably going to do a second edition at some point, start working on that in the near future. I haven't fully committed to that yet, but um, I definitely want to. Uh, and yeah, so that was, that was my game. I just kind of threw it out there and uh, people have liked it. And I really <laughs> appreciate everyone who's ever bought a copy. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's particularly interesting because of the um it's particularly interesting to me because of like the fact that you've gotten people to like write other stuff for it but also the Mm -hmm. supplements that you've put out are like perhaps not what people would have anticipated like there's one that's like all video game inspired superpowers oh yeah uh glitch reality yeah like what if speedrunners were actually what if speedrunning was a superpower you know what what if you could like uh save scum yourself you know and like reload your life if you die um and that's really cool if you had video game powers but also really creepy because that's some weird ultimate cosmic horror kind of shit if you think about it uh so yeah like yeah so i've had fun with it um and yeah, anytime I just get a weird boiling idea, point like, was a fantastic like scenario that oh, um, yeah, so uh, that was written by Peter wrote. Nielsen who uh, later wrote the Galaxy Incorporated RPG, um, currently available, and um, yeah, I I've learned a lot about publishing and running and writing games and that kind of thing from it. Um, certainly, I made some mistakes, but yeah. Um, Do you feel that um, the the lessons that you learned from that, did you feel like you passed them on when you were helping others with their projects? Cause you've kind yeah. of helped a couple of people with Kickstarter things. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. I've, uh, took me consultancy role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, we've done sponsored uh, deals with uh, like the Delta green RPG and upwind. Um, I helped Jeff Barber uh, with that. And then of course I've helped Caleb quite a bit with red markets. Um, 
and I pass on what I've known and like what works and what doesn't work. Um, and I've consulted with other projects too. They don't always listen to my advice. You know, I, there's one project I worked on that I won't say the name of, but they like, let we need to launch during, during Gen Con. I'm like, no, specifically don't do that. Don't, don't try and compete with Gen Con. Like all your audience are going to be a Gen Con or they're not going to have money. They're not going to be paying attention. Like wait until like a week after Gen Con. It's like, no, we, I feel like we need to do it now. I was like, okay, well you're mm, all right. And of course, it's not like, going to work out great for you. Nope. He also insulted other RPGs in, in the, the Kickstarter, which is not a good idea. Like, if you're doing a genre game, like, oh, I'm doing this this genre game better than any other genre, many, better than any other game that's on the genre. Fuck all those other games. They're terrible. This one's the only one you need. It's like, well, I like that genre. I, I don't like those other games in that genre. You just insulted my taste. I'm not going to buy your game. Like, that's what people will do. Um, yeah, no, you know. indeed. That is perhaps perhaps they should have listened to you on your advice of that was a bad idea. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, I've definitely uh, tried to help people uh, who have asked. And of course, in the game designers workshop uh, episodes, we talked a lot about Kickstarter, uh, especially in regards to Fred markets. Um, and we also did one on party foul, which is a board game, Caleb and Spencer, the, the mix six hosts did. Yeah, we've got interviews with Caleb about Red Markets and also about Party Fail with, with Caleb and Spencer for the mm-hmm. Party Fail interview. So that's yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, um, and <laughs> recently I did see this thing uh, on Medium of uh, someone doing a board game analysis of the uh, games on Board Games Geek and uh, looking at the ratings. He said one of the biggest factors in terms of um, whether a game was popular or not was like uh, humor. If it had comedy in it, it was like a huge detriment to the game. Like, was, I'm like, ooh, ooh, oh, buddy. Oh, no. That's a oh. weird assessment. Yeah. I mean, it's just an analysis of what people, uh, how people reviewed games. So, uh, yeah. Wow. Sure. Interesting. And so, I mean, uh, are you currently working on any other projects that perhaps yeah. um, you wanted to share? Sure. Uh, one that I've been working on, and I have no idea when I'll be finished with it, is Ruin. Uh, my architectural horror RPG, and I, I've talked about this on Game Design Workshop. And we do we post play tests on the RPPR Patreon at the ten dollars tier or higher when I get them done. Um, Ruin is sort of my I love Silent Hill and House of Leaves and this this very weird and very particular genre of horror about people being in weird labyrinthian spaces that don't make sense and um, are confronted by their own fears and that kind of thing and uh i also wanted to create a game that was like emulating certain what narrative video games do like this video game has all these complex systems and mechanics but it's only to tell one particular story and so i kind of want to do that with ruin it ruin is about waking up in this thing this place that looks like a hotel but it's not a hotel and uh the further you explore it the weirder it gets and you have to find a way out or figure out what you really want to do in there um and ruin is i tried to i've tried for years to figure out how to do this i first tried to use the gumshoe system and that didn't work and i it took me years to just to figure out what how i wanted to structure it as a game because it was just a weird concept and i wanted to do this kind of carcosa again house of leaves sort of aesthetic and turn that into a game that people could actually play and i'm making solid progress on it i mean there's a ton of work to do but like um one of the things we have in the game is characters are created during the game um i mean like eventually, as you move through yeah the space. yeah you just wake up and like who who are you what's your name what do you look like all right tell us about the night before when you checked into the sleepy z in 
uh, what was a conversation you had with someone else? Um, let's role play that little scene uh, where you had an argument or you, you something happened uh, and there was some sort of conflict. And um, yeah, so you basically, yeah, it, it just happens. It just, you just, you just hit the ground running. Um, yeah. And- I mean, that's an interesting design space to be working in. Mm-hmm. Um, both this, I mean, I don't know if any other RPGs have, I- I'm sure other RPGs have featured this subset of horror, but I can't think of any others that like are about it specifically. Yeah. Um, and mechanically worked into it. And also that, in- that thing of making your character sort of as you go sort of thing is also not unheard of, but like is rich territory to explore. Yeah. Um, do what what aspects of architectural horror, I guess, appeal to you and what parts about that excite you and why is that a thing that other people should get excited about? Um for me, um architectural horror, and this is like a term I'm using specifically, not like a, it's not like a it's not like slasher flicks or something like that where it's a commonly recognized term. Um for me, I like horror that is um, about isolation and alienation rather than like just, Oh my God, scary guy with an ax or let's torture people and, you know, cut up women. Um, and I feel, it, you know, I feel like that's the, and I want to do cosmic horror, but I don't want to do like Lovecraftian pastiches. I want to like sort of explore that space um, without, simply imitating what's come before me. I kind of, it's, it's, you know, making up something not a hundred percent new, but like it's, I, I just not satisfied with just having the exact same horror games. And um, like one of the things I tried to do for years ago is like, I read um, Uzumaki, which is this uh, Junji Ito horror manga um, about spirals. And there's sort of a cosmic horror backst- just a tiny bit at the very end. That's very, doesn't really explain everything but it's kind of evocative and it's just like people being menaced by an abstract symbol just a spiral and like the what junji ito gets out of that is like amazing and that's kind of what i and also you know like house of leaves and silent hill um you know the 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 architectural insanity that is presented in it are simply um you know sort of backdrops for confronting your own personal demons and insecurities and you know and that, i feel that that's more horrific you know uh uh then uh here's this scary monster who's gonna rip you apart and like cut off a hundred you know a dozen women's heads and you know uh blood splashes on their tits you know and i feel like i just i'm really tired of that kind of horror like it's hard to watch a lot of older horror movies when it's just like oh here's the woman getting attacked again like uh it's just uh, I don't know. Um, no, I think that yeah. those are excellent points and like excellent yeah. sort of responses to be like to, and also like the thing that you were saying about like you want to do something new specifically, like and yeah. do something new in a way that is transformative. I guess is sort of what I'm getting from what you're saying. Like, yeah, it's ideally. not about. Like- yeah, indeed. Ideally, you're shooting for that, and I think that that intent is important and interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, that's pretty like fantastic stuff, to be honest. That's why I've sort um, of given up on like trying to um, 
like predict when it's going to be done or, or ready, you know, to do it because it's like it'll be done when it's done. And like, mm-hmm. I, I have no idea if it will be ready or not. Um, and yeah, it, it, I, yeah, I just, I, I just work on it until I feel like, oh, now it's ready. Uh, let's kickstart it. So, um, yeah, I have been learning that lesson myself lately. Yeah. Also, I, I really like Vaporwave, and I want to make this the Vaporwave horror RPG too. So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, we, yeah. yeah, it's going to be the Vaporwave and Brutalism horror game. Yep, which are two things that you are amongst your fans known for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your your love of Vaporwave and your love of uh, Brutalism, pretty much to the point mm-hmm. where, like, you steered a whole campaign. <laughs> To involve brutalism references, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. I mean, it is. I think that perhaps people that don't really know that you don't really know of your work and stuff don't perhaps know how much you have shaped other people in the RPG and podcasting community. Um, and I don't know. This feels weird, but I feel like perhaps you need to be. Um, I feel like perhaps you need more. Uh, praise isn't quite the right word, but it's close to what I mean. I don't know. I feel like you need to be like recognized that there are so many wonderful shows and wonderful groups of people that have been brought together because of the work that you do. And also, there's also the factor of like you have taught people indirectly, like how to play so many games. Like when I want to learn how to play a game, I, and I'm like stuck, Mm -hmm. I try and find an actual play of it. Um, And also like, you know, you're bringing different play styles and all this stuff. And I mean, that's kind of what every actual play podcast does. But like, for me, you're the actual play podcast that did that for me. And then also then learning from all the other stuff that you do as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And I guess something that I want to kind of round out the interview by talking about is sort of what your this is kind of a thing that we haven't really had an opportunity to talk about before on it on our show, but I think mm-hmm. is important is what you feel like your role is and your responsibilities are within your community to those community members particularly i'm talking about the fact that for many you're kind of seen as a mentor and also to a lesser degree kind of seen well not a lesser degree but perhaps less widely thought of kind of also a bit of an authority figure like you can say things and people within your fan group at least will kind of pause and have to think about those things that you say um Mm -hmm. I can think of a few moments with your show where you've sort of had to mention to the fans that they were behaving in ways that you didn't approve of, um, or you felt the need to make your political opinions known in order to make it clear that certain elements of your community weren't acting in good faith. But in particular, I'm interested in your mentoring because like often when I have like a problem with something, in terms yeah. of like editing and things, I will come to you or mm-hmm. a couple of other podcasts and be like, how do I fix this? My files are too large. How do I make them smaller? Yeah. And things like that. And so like, I, I, I don't know, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on how you respond to that position, whether you see it at all. 
I mean, I do see it. I mean, I like um, in that I do know like uh, podcasts. Uh, yeah, several podcasts. Uh, people who I'm friends with now, um, like. Uh, role playing exchange because I just met up with them, some of them at uh, Origins, uh, you know, last week and uh, or a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And yeah, two weeks, yeah, well, a week and a half. Sorry. <laughs> uh, looking at the calendar and uh, technical difficulties. And of course, yours uh, here, insert quest here. Um, I know that people have started their podcast after they started listening to RPPR and um, I mean, there is that kind of joke that the podcast is like, you know, the garage band of the 21st century. So everybody, you know, has one. Um, and I think that's fine. Like I, I like helping people because, um, when I got started, obviously in podcasting, I didn't have people to ask. Uh, so I would like that for other people. Um, I also like sharing knowledge and helping people. That's just, it just feels good, man. Um, so that, you know, altruism is a good thing. Uh, and so I, I am broadly aware of that. I mean, it's hard for me to know like how influential I am in the RPG industry. Um, I do know like lots of listeners have told me how much that they like my podcast, you know, that it helped them, um, you know, and, or that helped them any like personally, cause it was a tough time. It was something fun to listen to or, uh, that helped them decide what games to buy. Like, Oh, I bought eclipse phase or I bought this game because of your podcast. And I love it so much. Um, and yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that means a lot. It means like, uh, and I also have this great community of friends that like, I can, you know, literally around the world now, uh, that like, Hey, I'm going here and I can possibly have a good chance of meeting somebody there that, you know, I've already known at least online and like that, that it's, it's sort of mind blowing and it's very, uh, humbling and reaffirming to, to have that, um, I mean, I know people who have very high paying jobs and are, you know, very professionally respected, but they're very, in some ways, very isolated and very lonely because they don't have time to cultivate uh, a wide, you know, and like I've seen articles saying like, once you're an adult, you know, once you get past, once you get out of college, you start losing friends, you stop making friends. And like, I'm still making new friends and it's great. Uh, It's amazing. And so I'm really lucky in that way. And I never would have expected this like, 10 years ago that like I would have this social network of friends um, and, you know, fans who, who uh, uh, are cheering me out, cheering us on like uh, RPPR has helped the cast members of RPPR. Like it's really, uh, they, they have their own little fan clubs. Aaron's got a fan club and he finds that very gratifying, even if he's embarrassed by it. Cause you know, they're cheering on when he, you know, gets his character killed in various weird ways. Um, but it's uh, been just this tremendously beneficial thing and like, uh, you know, life affirming if you want to get cheesy. So, um, yeah. Oh, uh, we, we don't consider that <laughs> cheesy here. Um, um, oh, but also I the mean, other thing who, yeah. uh, about the fans, like every anytime you have a community that you're moderating or managing, there's always going to be like moderation in that you're going to have to like, okay, you need to, y'all need to calm down or, uh here are the rules and that kind of thing and it hasn't been that there there have been a couple of things but not like i'm really we're really lucky that we haven't been like hit by a, a scourge uh any large wave of assholery so um yeah been- indeed i think that is perhaps the i think that is perhaps something that is yeah worth mentioning like i talked about the fact that you've had to step in but like you've when you've stepped in it's been like immediately pretty much and like as soon as something's popped up like someone said oh this is 
a bit PC or whatever, and then you've been like, uh, take a take a yeah. step back there, chief. I mean, and and we're really lucky that we just haven't been brigaded by a larger group or whatever. So like, and you don't have control yeah. over that, so you can't really blame communities to get hit by that. But like, it's just like you know, keep your fingers crossed, knock on wood, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's uh, we're also kind of low profile in that in that regard. So we're kind of the insider RPG podcast for the cool people who aren't into mainstream <laughs> stuff, like certain other podcasts and streaming shows that are way more popular and get more money. I'm not Stop jealous. Quoting past me. <laughs> All right, um, the is real. Yeah, indeed. I think it's important that. I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, we haven't really interviewed a podcaster before, but that's like an important thing that is worth mentioning is that you have to, I know that a lot of my work is uh, disassociating myself like mentally from Mm. uh, the works of other podcasters and streaming shows and things like that. It's like, well, that's excellent that they're doing well. And that doesn't mean that my stuff is less valid just because I'm not doing well. And like, it is more important that I am making my art than its success, at least for me. Like, Mm -hmm. and so like focusing on making sure that it, that what I'm making is what I want it to be rather than making, rather than being like, Oh, I'm not hitting $10,000 on Patreon a month. It's like, well, yeah, no shit. (laughs) Yeah. No, um, yeah. yeah no joke um yeah, it, it, yeah you, you can't compare yourself to other people i mean other people um you just have to judge just there's always going to be someone more successful than you um and yeah. it's uh being online famous or whatever is a marathon not a not a sprint so you just have to keep working and building it up um but yeah it's tough. Uh, i think the only thing that i want to say you mentioned that somebody like you said, Oh, thanks. Someone like you got them to buy Eclipse Phase, or like you convinced them that Eclipse Phase was a good game and they picked it up because of you. You said that, and then I realized something. So I saw Eclipse Phase before I heard about your show, but I was like, Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Interesting game. But then I, you know, read it uh, after having listened to a bunch of your actual plays of it. And I realized a long time ago that Eclipse Phase was like a catalyst for me, like coming out as gender fluid. But Mm -hmm. that then means really that I probably wouldn't be gender fluid at least yet if I hadn't listened to role-playing public radio. (laughs) Um, So that's an interesting thought to think about. Like if I hadn't listened to your actual plays talking about Eclipse Phase, then I wouldn't have gone and checked out Eclipse Phase. And then I wouldn't have been like, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> Am I only this gender because my body looks that way? Yes. And then like a couple of months later being like, hang on a hot minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, then my yeah, gender I'm, isn't yeah. tied to my body at all. Well, I'm glad I'm glad we were able to help you. Um, and, you know, it, it, it seems with uh, coming out stories from what I've, I've said, it's always it's it, it, it's something uh it, it's it's uh i think this might be a for i'll have to tell the eclipse face people <laughs> the the posthuman studios about that um i'm pretty but, sure yeah. that i've made tweets before talking okay. about how um i mean by all means mention to to them yeah. again but like eclipse face is very responsible for me yeah. realizing that my identity is not that closely tethered to my body um that's why I, yeah yeah indeed anyway 
But um, it has been fantastic talking to you, and I'm glad that I that I got the opportunity. And thank you so mm-hmm. much for taking the time out of your sure. busy jet setting <laughs> podcaster lifestyle. I, uh, I I live in one of the cheapest parts of America, and I spend most of the year at home <laughs> working on podcasts. There's uh, I get to go travel every once in a while to to cons. <laughs> Uh, and to Australia recently, but um, that that's very much the exception, not the norm. I, I I couldn't do this if I wasn't in the middle of the Midwest, which is you know not the cultural center that. How to succeed at podcasting? Move to a she, really low income area yeah. of the country. Yep, and I have a lot of overeducated friends who are under ambitious, so they all have yep. you know their advanced degrees and can bullshit about philosophy and uh, obscure art movies while we're playing elf games. Um, so yeah thank you so much for being on the show uh if -hmm. people want to find out more about your work where can they find that um i uh yeah role-playing public radio is the main podcast uh that's sort of become sort of a monthly uh, overall podcast we just posted our episode on origins where we talk about the new shadowrunner starter box which came out there and then the mothership or mothership rpg which is uh, a sci-fi horror game um and a couple other things uh well, one of those things sounds exciting uh well i mean take a li- listen to the episode uh yeah indeed yeah. definitely and uh, RP- in, like interesting topics yeah yeah um yeah we talked like in on the mix six and other podcasts uh, we talk, the, talk more about board games so I, the rppr episode we talked more about the rpg aspect because origins is primarily focused on board games but it's also got it it's got like 30 or 40 percent rpg so there's um sort of split it up um but then uh the other podcast another podcast i do is rpp actual play and that's the most popular one that's a weekly actual play podcast we alternate between one shots and a campaign uh we are finishing up uh our fantasy campaign rain uh that caleb ran uh nagali c2 which is based on campaign rules that he wrote up uh this wild setting where you characters get to influence a civilization through time dilation and like um here's some scholars now you can they can teach you to be literate and we're going to go out and it's gonna, when we come back a week later it's gonna be like 100 years later so uh so it's kind of very much kind of like a star trek almost kind of thing uh that's it, really fun um and then of course one shots everything from delta green we try and make a point of like running new systems for people um and then rppr tabletop tales that's sort of sporadic um we don't have anything up right now uh but we'll have up th- something up there sooner or later and those are just ongoing campaigns that are complete um and then of course the mix six podcast if you want to hear craft beer reviews we just reviewed our 500 500th beer uh on an episode that is we recorded last night actually uh and board game reviews and also a variety of topics movies and pop culture and philosophy and blah 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 um that's mostly caleb and spencer i just kind of make jokes about vaporwave and give them shit. Um, and those are all the podcasts that I primarily contribute to. Um, but I also have a Patreon, our, the, uh, uh, RPPR Patreon, uh, where we have bonus podcasts. Yeah. After hours. And now we're doing questing for answers, which is a Q and a podcast where you can ask us questions and we answer them. Um, and then, uh, we've had done previous bonus podcasts on palladium on world of darkness, um, a bunch of fun things, and um, yeah, and of drive- course, people can find your books yeah. on drive through, I guess. Yeah, drive through RPG, uh, also gumroad.com uh, slash Ross Payton. You can um, get my 
uh, Base Raiders. I also self-published another book called Zombies of the World, uh, which is just a fiction humorous guide to zombies. Um, and but yeah, all my Base Raider stuff is there, and you can if you buy me the pre- print, I'll I'm, I'm the one who's mailing it to you. I'll I'll uh, <laughs> so. Uh, buy my book. Get Ross yeah. Payton's fingerprints on your actual game. I mean, yes, basically, yeah. <laughs> no additional cost to you. Uh, but they're also on Amazon, at least Base Raiders is. Um, and that's print on demand, so you can have it shipped any, anywhere in the world pretty cheap. That's cool that uh, you've got it on Amazon. I didn't know that it was up there. Yeah, yeah. I used, uh, uh, well, it was called CreateSpace. Now it's just Amazon Direct Publishing. Uh, they had their yeah. own print on demand service, which was easier than the drive through service. So uh, I did that. Um, yeah, those are, and then, yeah, I've written for a bunch of other publishers, but you know, um, you can just buy their, yeah. You, you already got paid for that work. So buy yeah, yeah, actual yeah. game instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give me money. Don't give my publisher money. Don't tell them I said that. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, obviously if you're listening to this and you want to listen to more interviews, like say the ones that we did with Caleb and Spencer, um, on Red Markets and uh, Party Foul. You can check those out by clicking on the interview tag over uh, on the bottom of the episode. Um, if you want to listen to our actual plays of Base Raiders, you can find those by searching for Base Raiders on the uh, website. Um, please check out our Patreon and also check out our store um, where you can buy copies of my games as well. Um, but uh, for now, I just want to give Ross, one last thank you for being on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a pleasure. I have been uh, waiting many years to try and interview you, and I'm yeah. glad that I finally managed to get it done. Um, so thank you for that. And also thank you for uh, all of your help over the years. Um, and for now, I want to say farewell from the past. I'm Ray. <laughs>